got jokes for you. Hopefully you find this huge. I didn't get too much of a laugh at the nursing home. There was this guy one time, and he was went to church, and uh, he was dressed dressed up all in his cowboy outfit, you know, cowboy hat, cowboy shirt, cowboy jeans, belt buckle, and all that stuff. Anyway, he goes in and he uh, goes to sit down. Well, actually, he's standing at the back of the place looking to see where he wants to sit. And this head deacon comes up to him. He said, sir, he said, we realize this is your first time to visit with us. And he said, we would love to have you come back, but we want you to know something. He said, uh, whenever you come next time, uh, assuming you do come back and see us again, he says, you might want to rethink your outfit when you come and think about what you ought to put on. And he said, uh, I think you ought to pray about it and see what the Lord tells you. So he said, okay. So he goes ahead and has his service with him that day. And then the next Sunday comes, the guy comes back. And he's still dressed in cowboy hat, cowboy shirt, cowboy boots, and all that stuff. And uh, this time, the, the deacon's not quite so generous with Sir, he said, you remember our conversation last week? And he said, yeah. And he said, you, you remember me asking you to ask the Lord what he would have you to wear to this church? And he said, yeah. And he said, did you ask him? And he said, yeah. And he said, what did he say? He said, the Lord said to me, I don't know what I should wear because I've never been there. <laughs> this is the same kind of response I got at the nursing home. <laughs> I thought it was humorous myself. Maybe I need to work on it, but or or maybe it's like the guy that was in prison one time and he he's sitting there in the lunch room and all of a sudden this guy jumps up and says, Number sixteen everybody busts up laughing. And then the next guy then about a little minute or two later another guy jumps up and says, Number sixty four everybody cracks up laughing. And then the uh, new guy says to the other guy sitting next to him, he says, What's going on? Well, most of us have been here so long, we all know the, fun, the jokes, and we just follow up the joke number, and everybody remembers the, the punchline, and they just laugh. And he says, oh, okay. So the new guy decides that he's going to clap. He jumps up, and he says, number 33, dead silent. No snickers, no nothing. And he sits back down kind of, you know, gingerly, and uh, he says to the guy, he says, what happened? Some guys just don't know how to tell a joke. Oh, that's wrong. <laughs> anyway, uh, praise the Lord. You know, God works for his people and against his enemies. He does great and mighty things to deliver his people. And no matter how mighty or how uh, big people think they are or how, appear to be, God always has the upper hand, and God will always be victorious. Today's message depicts one such example. Let's take our Bibles and turn with me tonight to the book of, of Exodus, the 14th chapter. That's the second book of the Old Testament. Our text is going to begin with verse number 1. So if you would, take your Bible and turn with me to Exodus chapter 14. We're going to begin reading with verse number 1. 
Tonight's message is entitled, God Will Make a Way. Yes, thank y'all for standing as we always do at the reading of the Word of God. Exodus chapter 14, beginning with verse number 1. It says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they turn and camp before Pi-Hairoth, between Migdal and the sea, opposite Baal Zephon. You shall camp before it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, They are bewildered by the land, the wilderness has closed them in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart, so that he will pursue them. And I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, Why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Also he took 600 choice chariots, and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with boldness. So the Egyptians pursued them, all the, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them, camping by the seaside, by Hayhiroth, before it is Baal Zephon. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Because there was no grave in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt so with us, to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than, what, than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word tonight. We ask God that you would... Just show us what it is you have us to learn about it. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight. The first point of our message is, the enemy draws near. In chapter 12, Pharaoh had let the Israelites go. But we find in chapter 14 that Pharaoh changed his mind. And he pursues after the Israelites to capture them and to bring them back to Egypt as slaves. The Israelites were stuck between a rock and a hard place. Pharaoh and his army coming up behind them, the Red Sea before them, and fear sets in. <clears throat> it would appear that there was no way of escape. They were trapped and had one of three options, surrender, fight, or trust God. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Moses chose option number three for Israel, to trust, to trust God. God himself directed his people to go towards the Red Sea knowing full well that Pharaoh and the Egyptian army were going to pursue after the Israelites for the purpose of capturing them and making them their slaves again. 
in verse number 4, the word honor is used. But in that sense, it's not talking about a good kind of an honor. It's talking about a grievously afflicted or to prevail against. In other words, God was going to cause the Israelites to be able to escape the hand of the, of the Egyptians. But now notice that, that what happened when we just got through reading the first few verses of this passage. It was talking about that God is the one that told Moses to tell the people to go this different route than what they had been going on. In other words, he said to go over there towards the sea. And he tells them to go ahead and go forward. And so we need to understand that uh, God is going to maybe do some things sometimes that we don't fully understand when it comes to facing our enemies. He may have us do the same kind of thing that he did with the Israelites here. He may have them have us go towards, quote-unquote, the Red Sea. And we may not understand why he would do that, but God will always bring out the, the Israelites, and he will bring us out when we're up against the rock and the hard place, just like he did here. And so we need to understand tonight, folks, that God has a plan whenever the devil comes near us. God was going to give his vengeance upon Pharaoh and the Egyptian army for coming against his people. God's not going to just sit back and do nothing when the devil comes in against us. He's going to attack the devil whenever we cry out to him. And whenever we cry out to him, God's going to listen to our prayers. He's going to listen to our, our pleas. And we need to understand that we have only one course of action, really, when it comes to facing our enemies. And that is to trust God. Because God will always take care of us. He, just like he was about to do the Israelites here. We're going to read here in just a moment in point number two about what God did for him. But notice that well, let's go ahead and, and read the next passage of Scripture. Let's read. No, hold on. Let's see. I'm not quite through with my notes here. God sometimes raises difficulties in the way of salvation of his people that he may have the glory of subduing them and helping his people over them. Because Pharaoh had a design to ruin Israel, God has a design to ruin Pharaoh. And he takes this way to do it. Stand and watch as God works. You will see his deliverance. <clears throat> so whenever the devil is coming at you, every which way, whenever, whenever you feel like you're running up against a rock in a hard place, and that whenever you feel like you're coming up against the Red Sea and wondering how you're going to cross, you just need to trust God. God says he will take care of us. He will bring us out the other side of things when we go into those situations against the devil. But we've got to trust God to do it. And that's what the Israelites were about to do here. There's a second point to our message. God's plan of deliverance. Let's read verses 15 through 20. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, Well, no, let's back up for just a moment. I want us to look at verse number 14. It says, The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. That What that means is that you shall be quiet. You know, one of the things that we have a tendency of wanting to do when things are coming against us is we want to begin to speak the problem. 
we want to be able to begin to say what the, the situation that is coming against us is. In other words, instead of instead of proclaiming or confessing the result of what God is going to do for us, we have a tendency to speak out of fear. And and the Israelites were were doing that when they are about to talk here in just a moment. And well, actually, when they just already spoke. In verses 11 and 12, it says, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? In other words, they begin to speak out of their fear. And we need to realize that that's only going to make the matters worse for us. God's plan of deliverance. Let's read verses 15 through 20 now. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. But lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I indeed will guard, harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariot and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. And the angel of God, who went before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one, and it gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other all that night. The, the second point of our message today is this. God's plan of deliverance. God always has a plan. He's never... Surprised by anything. He's, you, he's not up in heaven twilling in his thumbs and, and trying to figure out what his next move is going to be. He's already got the victory won before the devil even makes the attack. In other words, we've got to trust the Lord to give us the victory whenever the devil comes against us. Just like he was about to do here. And it, it tells us, let me... I heard my thing being, let me get my phone turned off here real quick. Because it aggravates me when I'm preaching and all of a sudden I get a text or something. Okay. I shouldn't get any more texts now. At least not until after service. The children of Israel were to go forward towards the sea. Moses was to raise up his rod and stretch out his hand over the sea, and God would divide the waters so that Israel would be able to cross over on dry land. Can you imagine the faith that it took for Israel to walk between those walls of water? I hadn't really thought about it until my mom made mention of it when I was getting this, read, this message ready. She's the one who actually gave me the title for it. I'm the one that came up with passage of scripture for it though but she's the one that gave me the title for it and I I can't help but think it took an extremely amount of faith for them to be able to come to the point where they said okay we'll walk through these waters not knowing if, if the water might collapse back on them you know but you know God's plan didn't involve that God's plan involved their deliverance and he was going to protect them in the midst of everything that they were going through at this time. And so he 
He's the one that came up with this idea of escape. He's the one that decided, I'm going to part these waters and they're going to go across on dry land. But notice what happens. The Israelite, I mean the Egyptians follow after them in that same place. And you know what? It appeared that God didn't know what he was doing. Maybe that's what you're thinking. But that God knew exactly what he was doing. And he didn't allow the devil to come near the Israelites. He didn't allow the Egyptians to come near the Israelites all night long. <coughs> because he put his angel back behind them. See, they didn't need him to guide them anymore in the front. He needed to, he, they needed him in the back so that the, the Egyptians wouldn't get him from behind. And so, therefore, God was, because it wasn't going to take a rocket scientist to know and see what it was going to, they were going to need to do in order to get through those divided waters. So they didn't need the help in the front. They needed the help in the rear. And God sends his angel to the back. And he also sends the pillar of cloud to the back. And it says that if one, part, one side saw darkness, the other side saw light. Guess which one was which? The Israelites had the light. They knew, they saw where they were going. But, it, but the Egyptians didn't. They couldn't see in the hand in front of their proverbial face. They couldn't see that far, even in front of them. Have you ever been in a darkened place like that before? It's scary, isn't it? Anyways, these guys, they didn't rush after them because they couldn't see where they were going. They were having to take their time. And all night long, this, this was what was going on. But then comes the morning, and we're going to look at that in just a minute. But I'm trying to get us to notice this here. And that is that God is going to make sure that his people are taken care of. That they're not going to be overtaken by their enemies. And that's what was going on in this situation that they were facing. And so the Israelites were trusting God to keep those waters rolled back so they could get across on dry ground. You know, these things that they were doing were acts of faith in God's delivering power. God was going to harden Pharaoh's heart and would cause them to come after Israel. But God's angel would protect Israel from Pharaoh and his army. The pillar of cloud went behind Israel, causing the Egyptians to walk in darkness while the Israelites could see where, where, they, where it was they were going. The Egyptians were kept coming from near the Israelites all night long. We see the great works by God on his behalf to bring them deliverance from Pharaoh and his army. And that should encourage us. That should encourage us to know that whenever we're coming against, when the devil's coming against us, God's not going to allow him to overtake us. That he's not going to allow him to capture us. He's not going to allow him to take us captive. We need to understand that we're fighting against a real enemy, folks. And his name is Satan. His name is the devil. His name is Beelzebub. There's a lot of different AKAs for that guy. And what we need to do is understand is this, that God will take care of us, but we've got to trust him to do it. We've got to do things the way that God said to do them. You know, they had to go, first of all, they had to go towards the sea. You know, like, like for instance, if there was already boats waiting to take them across, but they weren't, of course. But that's the kind of expectation they had to have when they were walking towards that sea. Knowing that God was going to, if he has them to do that, he's got a purpose. He's, he's going to show them what their next step is. 
after they begin to obey him, that is. And that's what we need to do ourselves. We need to obey God before we even see the end result. We've got to listen to God. We've got to listen to his voice. And he will show us and tell us what to do. But we've got to make up the decision in our own minds that we're going to follow whatever it is the Lord says to do. Whether it makes sense to us or not. We've got to walk in the ways that he says to go. We've got to do what he says to do. And we've got to do it 100% the way that God says to do it in. Because that's how deliverance is going to come. So he was doing great and mighty things on their behalf to see to it that the enemy was not going to capture them and take them prisoner. And we need to do the same in our own walk with God. We need to realize that God's only got our best interest at heart. Whenever we're walking with him, he's going to show us what to do. But we've got to be willing to say yes, Lord. We've got to be willing to say, God, I'm going to do what you say and however it is that you say to do it. And when we do that, God will take care of us. God will bring the deliverance, but we've got to do things God's way. Because he will make a way. We have one final point to our message. And that's in verses 21 through 31. It says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them in the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Let me say this. Whenever you're trying to get away from God, not God, when you're trying to get away from the devil, the devil is not going to just sit back and let you do it. He's going to come after you, tooth and toenail. He's going to do whatever it is that he has to do or can do in order to try and capture you. He's going to do what he can do to get you not to change sides. You know, I if you knew me before I got saved, you would have thought to yourself, there's no way that guy's ever going to give his heart to Jesus Christ. You, that's exactly what you would have thought. Because there was nothing in my character that would have said I was going to do that. Nothing in my character that would have said, I have any interest in the things of God or ever will have any interest in the things of God. But you know what? That night at the Looster Jail holding system, God got a hold of my heart, he got a hold of my life, and he changed me from the inside out. And, but, but the devil didn't just give up. The devil still sent old friends of mine after that conversation that I had with God that night and turned my life over to him. The next day, I had a guy calling me again. Let's go and party! I said, no, I don't do that no more. What do you mean you don't do that no more? You're one of the best partiers I know. Well, maybe so, but I, I don't live my life like that anymore. Jesus has made my I'm going to live my life for him, for him from here on out. And so my, that guy was after me to try and get me to come back into partying with him and do the things I used to do. And let me tell you something. There, there was a part of me that thought about doing that, but then the better part of me and the bigger part of me and the more spiritual part of me said, no, that's not you anymore. You're, you're going to live your life for Jesus Christ. And you're going to show people around you that your life has changed. 
I bet you anything in the world that whenever I came back into work on Monday afternoon at the bank in Bank Dallas, I bet they would have thought, how in the world did that guy change in such a short time? It was a Friday night I left, and I was just the biggest sinner you would have thought possible. I was, I was, I, I cussed so much I would have made Satan blush. I mean, my life was so out of control. And yet, that night, in that holding cell, God got a hold of me and changed me and everything else. And like I said, when I went back into work Monday afternoon, people thought I was crazy. I started handing out these sheets of salvation messages, scriptures on this sheet that I had printed up, well not printed up, but wrote out, and I had run copies of it, like 30 of them, because in the two different uh, departments that I worked in, there was about 30 people in the total department, and I started handing them out. Uh, it was like, I took this, like this was a piece of paper that had the scriptures on it. I handed it to, my, to this person over here, and then I took it over here, and I handed it to this person over here, and I just went throughout the entire department on both sides and I started handing him out and when I handed my bosses his I started to walk away and he looked at it and he read it and he says R.L. I need to see you in my office so I went over here and got in his office and he said you can't do this I said I can't do what he said you can't hand these things out I said why not I said people need saving and he says maybe so but you can't do this on company time and so I had to take my opportunities where I could get them and share the gospel message. And there was this one woman, though, and I, I actually got, did a little bit of good because this one woman was an out-and-out -out lesbian. She, she was so proud of her and her girlfriend. And they would get, she would come in from the weekend, and she would start telling everybody what her and her girlfriend did and, and pretty much graphic detail on all Anyways, and so I finally started telling people about Jesus. And my boss called me to the side again, and he says, you can't do this. And I said, if she can tell people about what her and her girlfriend are doing over from over the weekend, why can't I tell people about Jesus? And so he called her to the side and told her, no more of this. So she didn't get to tell about her escapades, and I couldn't tell about Jesus. But you know what? I, I at least did some good because before I got shut down, I at least planted some seed. Yes. And that's what, what it's all about, is planting seed for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's what's going on here, is these people were being delivered by the God from their adversary. And I have been delivered so, so well, so thoroughly, so thoroughly, that I was able to share at least for a moment or two about Jesus and, and telling what he'd done in my life. You know, the third and final point, like I said, I don't remember where, what verse did I leave off at. Does anybody remember? Oh, in verse 23, because he was they were following after the Israelites. Now, in verse 24, Now, it came to pass in the morning watch, that the Lord looked upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians. And he took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord God fights for them against the Egyptians. You know, 
I'm going to finish this here in a minute and read those other verses as well. But notice what it just got through saying. Let me read verse number 26 again. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, no, 25, And he took off the chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty, and the Egyptians said, Let us free from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. The devil, he's, he's going to do what he can to keep you from switching sides. But assuming he can't, He's going to try and back away from you. And whenever that happens, we've got to realize that, that we need to take advantage of him backing off from us. Just like the Israelites, just like the Egyptians were doing here. They were trying to flee from Israel now. They had been chasing after him, and they had almost probably caught him a time or two. But because of God's delivering power, he did they didn't get caught. And because of that, the Israelites, because God began fighting against the Egyptians, I mean, against the Egyptians so much like he was, that they decided, let's get out of here before we get defeated. And so they, they tried to, but then it was too late. You know, there comes a time in a person's life when God's been dealing with you about coming to him, and there's going to come a time when he's going to say it's too late. Just like he said to me in that holding cell that night. He said to me that this is your last chance. Are you coming home or not? That was going to be my last wake-up call. That was going to be the last time God was ever going to deal with me about giving my heart to Jesus Christ. But you see, I didn't know that at the time, actually. Even though God had said it in just that manner that I told you about just now, I didn't realize that that was going to be my last quote-unquote chance to ever come to follow Jesus Christ because I thought it was just the fact that I was already saved. I was told and taught by all my life that I had been taught when I was 15 years old. I got saved and that that was good enough and that I just wouldn't, if I had died in my sin, I just wouldn't have gotten as good a reward as somebody else who had actually been living the life. But you know what? I know now what God meant when he told me that that night and I also know now that had I died in my sin I would have gone straight to hell and that's why I fight tooth and toenail against that doctrine of once saved always saved because it's not once saved always saved folks no matter what you might think or been taught and who or even who taught it to you there's no such thing as as as, as once saved always saved and we've got to make sure that we're living our life for Jesus Christ. Because there's going to come a time that God will, will sear your mind over to the point where you no longer feel his conviction. I had almost gotten to that point. I had gotten to the point before that that I just didn't ask God to forgive me for anything I was doing wrong. But you know, that night, the Lord spoke to me in such a manner that I had to get my heart right with God or I would have been lost and dying and going to hell forever. And so I had to make sure that my life was the way that God wanted it to be. Verse 26, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians on their chariots and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth, while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Verse 
Verse 28. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained. In other words, nobody escaped. Every single Egyptian died that day. God means business he means business with his adversaries and his enemies, and he also means business with us. And we need to be following after God whenever he tells us to come after him and to follow in his direction. Verse 29, But the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were walled to them on the right hand and on the left. So the Lord saved Israel out of them, out of, saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. In other words, whenever the water, the tide came up that next time, it washed the dead bodies onto the to the floor to the Anyways, he whenever the tide came up the next time, he it washed the dead bodies up onto the seashore. And that word saved means to actually to be delivered. In verse 31, thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. For the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. You know, that in that verse, work which the Lord had done in Egypt actually means, it literally means hand with which the Lord worked. God is going to bring deliverance. We've got to trust him. We've got to know that he's got our, our best interest at heart. And he's going to take care of us. And that's what we need, we need to look at tonight. God allowed Pharaoh and all of his armies to pursue the Israelites, but not to capture them. God parted the Red Sea to get his people away from Pharaoh. But after the Israelites had all safely crossed over, God caused the walls of the water to collapse upon the Egyptians. And they all died. Not so much as one did remain. The Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. God delivered them. The proper response to the power of God is fear. In other words, to have an awe and respect for God. To trust God and to be obedient. When we do these things, we're showing God that we love him and that we're trusting him, no matter what the devil may do against us. We're, see, we're saying to God, I'm trusting you. You're going to get me through this. You're bringing me out the other side, God. And I know that I can trust you, and I can believe you, and I can believe your prophets or your leaders, because that's what the people did. Moses as well as God and we need to understand tonight folks that God will bring us deliverance but we've got to do things his way we've got to number one realize that the enemy is being drawn near to us we got to number two we've got to realize that God does have a plan of deliverance already in place there's nothing going to surprise God God's got everything under control He's going to take a look at the situation and do what's best for all concerned. <clears throat> He's going to bring us victory over our enemies. 
And then number three, he's going to make sure that our deliverance involves our enemy in the mind. They're going to be defeated. They're not going to be victorious over us. We're going to be victorious over them. And that's what we need to realize tonight, folks. So God will make a way. We just got to trust Him to do that. We got to say, God, I'm doing it your way, and I know that I've got the victory because of it. And whenever we do that, God will bring the victory in. He will make a way, even when there seems to be no way. Let's pray. Father, in the name of we thank you tonight that you have been with us. We thank you tonight, Lord, that you, you have spoken to your servant tonight, Lord, and I have spoken what you have put in my heart to say. And Lord, I thank you, dear God, that we can trust you and believe you and know that you've got our best interest at heart and everything about us. Even in the times when you may be heading us toward the Red Sea, we thank you, dear God, that you're going to bring us out Appreciate you. We love you. God bless you. And we're going to be having a quick dismissal prayer. Brother Marvin, would you dismiss us in prayer tonight? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for the word tonight, Lord. Knowing that you'll be there to defend us and fight our battle. We just have to depend on you. Wait on you, Lord. Be with us as we go out tonight. Let us have sweet sleep tonight, Lord. We give you all the glory and praise in Jesus' holy name. We ask you. Amen. Amen and amen. God bless y'all. We love you. Appreciate you so much. We'll see you next time.